Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Deep Dive podcast. Very special episode this week, as not only do we have a guest, but we're going to be taking a deep dive into the NHL's, you know, prior to us, most recent expansion team, the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, let's not, you know, beat around the bush at all, RJ. Why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest this week? Yes, so with the Kraken face of the Golden Knights twice this week, our guest on the podcast is Ken Bolke from Sinbin.Vegas. Uh, they're an independent website covering the Vegas Golden Knights. I believe the first one completely dedicated to covering the team. I mean, you guys launched the site in 2015, right? That's correct. Well, at least we like to say that we're the first one. If there was another one out there, we don't care. We don't. We do not recognize them have having existed. There you go. Well, regardless, very early on it, um, and I've enjoyed you guys' coverage of the team, even growing up a Sharks fan. You know, during the, heat, the height of that rivalry, so that should tell everyone something. You guys do a good job. Thank you for joining us, Ken. You got it. Thanks for having me. What a I don't know. I don't know about that whole Sharks fan thing. You're in a much better place now. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Just, I mean, just a little bit. Um, all right. So, Ken, um, you know, before the season started, I think we both, you know, felt like our teams were going to be in very different places than they are in now. Uh, certainly we felt that way. Um, and a lot of people had Vegas as, you know, kind of the runaway division winners this year. Pacific was supposed to be, you know, pretty easy for them. And, and then, you know, some of us, uh, including some people on this podcast. Um, it's not important who, though, right, RJ? Uh, maybe even had Vegas as, like, a, a cup favorite. But season kind of hasn't gone that way for Vegas this year. Why don't you just kind of give us a quick recap of how Vegas has ended up in this spot where they're just kind of clinging on to a playoff spot? Well, I think Seattle fans will remember the first game Vegas played this season. Wild game. That was a yeah. fun game. I, now that I'm thinking back to that, that was great. 3 nothing. Golden Knights blew it. You know, they, and they scored another one. The stick twirl, and the Golden Knights got all pissy about the stick twirl. What a, what a <laughs> night that was. That, yes. that was fantastic. That was basically the high point of the Golden Knights season. Like, as ridiculous as that sounds, the very next game, they went to L.A. Uh, they got blasted like six to two or I don't even remember what the final score was because I stopped paying attention and I was there I actually drove to LA and I stopped paying attention because they were getting their butts kicked so bad uh, Mark Stone had his first instance of this back issue that's been going on all season Max Pacioretty broke his foot in that game uh, from there they actually lost three more they went one and four to start the season they kind of climbed back and they've had a whole bunch of injuries the entire season basically no one has played all the games. Literally, they do not have a player that's played every single game this season. They had one, and they healthy scratched him, which I feel like they're probably like, damn, we should have never done that. But And so what's happened is they've kind of had this piecemeal roster. You might have heard of that idea before. Uh, that has not really ever gelled together. They've had their good moments. They've had their bad moments, but they've been very inconsistent. You don't necessarily know what where you're going to get good performances and where you're going to get bad performances on any given night. And because of that, they're dropping points to teams like Buffalo and, you know, Philadelphia a couple times. And then a couple nights ago you had the, or was it yesterday? I can't I don't remember yesterday. They almost lost to Chicago in a game that was absolutely wild. So, you know, they're, they're not very good right now, but they are finally, it seems starting to funnel some of the health back 
back in. I don't think you're going to see a healthy team in these next two games. Uh, maybe Alec Martinez is healthy and outside chance. Maybe there's like a Braden McNabb that pops in there, but you're still looking at a team that's not very good and uh, fighting for their playoff lives that, in my opinion, even if they get there, it's not going to do much good. Yeah, it's it's been rough, certainly, with the injuries. I think that's probably a big reason there. And yeah, how about that game yesterday against <laughs> Chicago? Wow. Uh, yeah, that's that's just I mean, I, I thought the season was over. Like we we've been talking about they need to win like eleven of fifteen, possibly twelve of fifteen going into last night's game or yesterday afternoon. They're down three nothing to one of the worst teams in the league. Like I actually like Seattle's team a heck of a lot better than I like the current Chicago team after they sold off a bunch of pieces and they're they just don't seem to care and Vegas is just getting stomped by him. It's like, man, this is this is not good and then hockey. Yeah. Yep. That, that is hockey for sure. That's that's the way it goes. Uh I guess kind of a quick follow up. What area of the Golden Knights game do you feel like has really suffered the most this season, whether it's because of injuries or just poor play? Like is it scoring, goaltending, defense, just special teams? Yeah. Uh, yes, <laughs> answering your question. Uh, but for the most part, I would say the, the biggest drop off this season than what we've seen in the past is the way they defend. Last year, they won uh, the Jennings Trophy. They were actually allowed the least amount of goals in the entire league. Now, that's also important to note that they also played one of the easiest schedules in the history of the NHL, playing in a West or what I think it was called the West Division. That was a complete joke. You know, it was really, really bad. Three California teams that were disastrous in Arizona, which was worse than those teams. So significantly better than the division that they're playing in this season. And I still don't think this division's all that good, but they just don't defend at the same level. Like if you have extended zone time against the Golden Knights, it's more than likely they're going to drop a coverage and give you a wide open opportunity and then comes up to the goalie, whether he stops it or not. They've had their scoring woes. That's been fairly common throughout the history of the franchise, except for their first season. Like, that's not all that surprising that, you know, if they have extended zone time, they don't generate great chances. They live on the outside. Teams that pack it in kind of don't allow much of anything, and they blame the goalie every single night where it's not the other goalie. And we know that because then they'll score goals like on Kevin Lankinen where he just whiffed on a glove save. So, like... That's been a huge part of it. Special teams was the one that was the big one going out of the last season. They went like 0 for 18 in a playoff series and a conference championship. And you can't do that. Coming into this season, it's a little better. Eichel's helped that. His entries really help a lot because now they're basically an automatic entry getting in. So, you know, it's it's all of the above. But I would say defending is probably the biggest thing. And the one I didn't mention is goalies because I think the goalies have been okay. Like, I don't think the goalies have been awesome. I don't think the goalies have been horrible. They've been okay. And that's enough. I, I'm, I'm not blaming anything on them. I don't think they've, you know, dragged this team to a playoff spot, which they possibly could have. And they used to have a guy that maybe could have done that, that they gave away for nothing. But that's a different, you know, that's a different animal in, in and of itself. Yeah, it is. Uh, overall, sounds pretty similar to what we've been having to deal with on huh, RJ. Yeah, I mean, a little bit everything going wrong, you know, <laughs> if, if something goes right, then something else pops up. And I do just have to really quickly mention the, uh, you know, the former Sharks fan side of me is is enjoyed watching the Steve Spot power play work its magic in Vegas. Um, they actually definitely. lost the job in many ways. They they yanked it from them a month oh, ago, not even a month ago. Yeah, they, okay. and, and like they didn't make a big deal of it. It was in the middle of a road trip, and all of a sudden, the other guy's working with the power play, and he's not. 
and you know they asked and the the answer was something along the lines of like uh you know we like to get different voices we're 50 games into the season like no you you, you definitely just pulled the job and like it's 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 pete DeBoer's best friend so he's not gonna get fired but yeah he definitely in many ways lost that job and, and it, it's gotten no better interesting yeah i mean definitely something i i remember from those sharks teams yeah, but was not good except for that one power play that i remember oh yeah that that <laughs> one that the was, one was pretty yeah <laughs> yeah i have a sign commemorating it right here yeah i i i don't like that one but <laughs> um so let's let's talk a little bit about organizational philosophy and and the pressure to win because I think at the start, there was kind of a difference in attitudes between the Golden Knights and the Kraken. You know, in Vegas, you've got Bill Foley outlining his very concrete Stanley Cup in six years timeline, you know, relentless pursuit of victory, nothing less is acceptable. And I respect that, you know, whereas the Kraken still obviously committed to having success, but, you know, as far as setting expectations, it's a little less concrete you know they definitely tried to lower them a bit given the way this season has gone uh you know always talking about we're not vegas we're, we got to forge our own path but i think the kraken are, are kind of at a similar crossroads now as the golden knights were in 2017 where there kind of became this pressure to win right away you know of course the big difference in vegas's case that pressure was actually driven by winning but you know as a result they kind of burned through all those assets that they got in the expansion draft try and accelerate the competitiveness you know, what is it like when the organization makes that decision? Because it feels like you've experienced very strongly the ups and the downs of that. Yeah, so, like, obviously it's significantly different than what you guys are going through. I think the expansion draft in and of itself was massively different. I think it's just a bad situation coming in under the same rules multiple years later, like... They're not going to be as dumb as they were for Vegas. Like, I think people learn, like, wait a minute. None of that went well for any of us. All it did was help that team. Let's just not do that. And you saw it. You saw all the players that were available that the Kraken could have potentially gone for it this year. And I think they would have been a lot better than they could have been. But would they have been a cup contender? No. Like, if they had drafted all the best players on that list, is Carey Price even playing yet? I don't even know. But either way, like they had gone for it. They're still maybe as good as the Kings, you know, and like they're not they're nowhere near Colorado or Carolina, Florida, Tampa. There's too many good teams. Even Calgary's real good. So I think with what has happened here, they were in a position where they did have a team that was legitimately good enough to win. And they kept proving it over and over and over again. And that just ramped up Bill Foley's belief of like, wait a minute, I said cup and six, but like, why not just do it now? Like, it's basically what happened. And then they became like this ruthless, um, I don't even really know a good way to put it other than there was a belief that if we can upgrade in any area, no matter how small or large it can be, we will do it no matter what it does to the outside of the team or, or whatever, like chemistry-wise or how the fan base reacts to it, any of it. doesn't matter. If like I always bring it back to like NHL 22 or the EA game. If you manage an EA game and you have a player who's a 90, and all of a sudden there's a player available for a 92, that's a 92, and all you have to give up is a six-round pick to do it, you do it. You don't think twice, you do it. 92 greater than 90. 
That's how the Golden Knights have operated. That's how they end up with Alex Petrangelo and wiping out Nate Schmidt, who Alex Petrangelo is a better player than Nate Schmidt, but Nate Schmidt was a huge part of this team. So that's basically what has happened and what you're talking about, the ups and downs. I guess we're experiencing the downs now of like, the pressure has gotten pretty large, but they've also been so banged up that I don't know where they would be with this roster had they been healthy. Certainly not where they are now, but would they be Colorado? I'm not sure. So it's been a wild ride in that, you know, they have been ruthless. They have thrown guys in the trash that probably should not have been thrown in the trash. And then, you know, we have uh, Vadim Shipashev retiring. We have trades getting... Voided and vetoed. We have the you know backstabbing thing. Like you guys, you guys haven't experienced the whole NHL experience yet. You will give it time. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's been a lot there, and and I guess because you just brought it up, uh, go ahead and move this question up the list a little. Let's go ahead and talk about this voided trade situation because obviously that's been one of the biggest stories around the NHL this past week or so. From your understanding of it on the Vegas side, like just kind of how did that all go down? First of all, you guys are probably lucky that it wasn't you because yeah. I very well could have been Seattle and that was a hell of a deal for Anaheim. Like, yeah, if you're Seattle, you got to be looking at that. Like, why didn't we do that? Like, exactly. And they still probably could. Like that very well may happen. Like, I think they're going to have to do something eventually. So here's how I understand it. There was a trade of Dodonov from Ottawa to Vegas. They traded Nick Holden, a second round pick for Evgeny Dodonov. In that trade, the idea of Dodonov's trade clause came up and supposedly Vegas wasn't on there. Uh, but there was also some sort of information portrayed by Ottawa to the league and to the Golden Knights that his no trade clause was completely void, that they didn't submit it in time, that the email did not exist that showed their no trade clause. So therefore it was void. The Golden Knights operated under that pretense for the rest of the time that they've had of Genny Dodonov. When they end up going to this deadline, they believe he doesn't have a no trade clause, even though they knew it existed, but they thought this is void because the league told us this is void. And so they went ahead and made that deal, which was a horrific deal. And the best thing that's ever happened to them, I think is that it got voided, but just made this terrible deal to buy themselves three and a half million dollars of cap space. And then the whole thing blows up in the, you know, the world's face. I honestly, and like, I'm very critical of the golden Knights front office. I've been very critical of the organization throughout the course of my time. I will stand firmly to say, I do not believe the golden Knights could have known that this was going to happen. I do not think they acted in any sort of bad faith. Faith. I don't believe even the due diligence part where like they could have asked about it. I just don't buy that that's the case or that's what should have happened. I think they operated exactly how they should have. And then they were told, actually, no, you can't do that. And now that's just a horrible situation for them because they wanted to make that trade. And then the league told them, you cannot do that. Not a good situation when all of a sudden, now you can't make a trade. You can, but not the same way. So it's... It was a wacky saga. It sucked for Dodonov. It's just, I mean, I guess it's over now, sort of, but now the dude's scoring game-winning goals in overtime, so. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I bet they're probably pretty happy uh, yesterday that, that everything went down. I don't know, though, because, like, if you, like I, I'm interested in your opinion. So, like, if you're the GM, you make this deal, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you, you do a deal that clearly doesn't look good for you. You bought $3.5 million of cap space. You gave up a second-round pick. It's clearly not good. 
mm-hmm. but you had a reason to do it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, why would you have yeah. done that? No one's got a gun at their like. You have to do it. Like, okay, so they do it. Then it gets voided. Well, now the guy scores and becomes a huge important part of your team. You look bad, right? <laughs> yeah, it's bad on the organization. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, why did you do that in the first place? Like, they can't win if he's terrible. They would have loved to have given him away on the trade pick. If he's amazing, you look like morons for trading a second round pick to get rid of the guy who's amazing. Yeah. It's a no-win situation in so many different facets. For the team, Crazy. for Dodonov, for everyone. And of course, yeah. Ottawa is to blame. <laughs> yeah. Well, Anaheim, I think Anaheim gets screwed more than anything. They should have a second round pick, a usable player that will probably be a trade chip next season, and getting rid of another contract. Like, what a nightmare for them. And they didn't do anything wrong. Poor Pat Verbeek. Yeah. Yep. They just, you know. Welcome to the NHL general managing, bud. Uh, yeah. It's Brutal. it's such a, a crazy uh, roller coaster every year come this time. Do you time. think, I, I know it's hard to say now with him scoring these important goals, but do you think that, you know, Dodonov still might get traded? Because, again, Elliot Friedman was talking about this, and Seattle was one of the teams that he mentioned. I mean, do you think yeah. that still has a, a chance of happening? Because you've still got Absolutely. the cap reality. A hundred percent. Like like you said, there is still some reason that on March 21st, Monday, they thought we need three and a half million dollars and we will pay the price to make that happen. So what has happened between then? There is another injury that has popped up and actually three, but one that's of significance in regards to the cap. They had one where Brett Howden got crunched into the boards, looked real bad. He got stretchered off. He makes like a million dollars. I think he's going to be okay. They'll be fine there. The second one is Nolan Patrick. He like makes like a million dollars. He gets injured every single time he plays. The last one was Max Pacioretty, who was ready to play the very first game they had come back home. And that was one where you're like, okay, well, Alec, Petran- or Alex- Alec Martinez is coming in. That's $5 million. Pacioretty's coming back in, that's $7 million. Now you need some money here. And so that looked like that's where they need the money. Well, morning skate, he's in power play practice, takes a shot and hurts himself and has to leave and doesn't play in the game and probably isn't going on this trip. So now all of a sudden, maybe they have $7 million more in space that can go on LTIR, but you don't want Evgeny Dodonov instead of Max Pacioretty. Like, nobody wants that. So if Max Pacioretty gets healthy, which he has done in remarkable speed a number of times, he broke his foot and was back in three weeks. It was insane. And then skated once and played. We're like, what is happening? So I don't think he'll be out for the season. And then eventually, yeah, they are going to need to do something. And Seattle would make perfect sense to be a team to do it. Yeah. Do you think the the price now, because everyone understands Vegas's reality, uh, do you think the price is going to be a lot more than a second rounder? I, I think like the fact that the Golden Knights were taking on that that extra salary that mm-hmm. kind of lessened the price in the first place. So it probably was a first round pick in the first place. I do think that one less year of Dodonov. So where wherever he happens to go, he literally cannot play. So it wipes out the rest of this season. He only has one more year left, and the Golden Knights are not taking the salary on back. So. It, it does shift the balance a little bit. I would guess they're probably going to have to give up a first-round pick if it's him. 
if it's mm -hmm. someone else, like, I don't know what the cost would be on, a, on an, an injured Riley Smith. Like, if Riley Smith would have been able to come back and he can only play five games, but he could have come back, so they have to take him off LTIR, and his contract expires the second the season's over, and if they're out of the playoffs, I don't know what the cost would be on that. But again, someone should step up and take that. Like, if he's available, step up and take it. Like, take your free third-round pick to deal with your cap space. Like, I feel like that's something that a team like Seattle who that is your best asset at the moment is we have loads of cap space and you have to take advantage of this at every single pass and, 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 you know, find a way to collect some assets. And, and that's, I think the golden Knights are going to have to give something away, whether that's before the you know season ends or in the off season and Seattle should be in the middle of it. Yeah. I was, I was kind of surprised given the last couple of years, we'd seen more and more teams out of it with cap space kind of take on that role of, you know, helping out trades get facilitated yeah, and all that stuff being the broker. And this year we really didn't see that. This was really the only trade that had anything to do with it. And then of course it gets voided. So uh, it was, it was kind of surprising this year for me. Yep. Um, and isn't it nice, Dylan, that we don't have to be salary cap experts every single oh day yet. I know the Kraken will get there at some point where we'll be talking about LTIR and like, all right, this guy got called up today. But uh, it is nice not to have to deal with that uh, at the moment. Yeah, it's it not is. fun. Trust me, it is not fun because you'll never understand all the rules and there'll be rules like the, the for instance, the no trade clause thing. Like when Elliot Friedman and Pierre Lebrun are writing stories that they didn't know where the, t the, the trade clause is like, how the hell am I supposed to know? I just some l lunatic in Vegas. Like, what, what am I supposed to know? I don't talk to Batman every five minutes. It's just bogus, man. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know that, that the player couldn't, tr after the trade deadline, if the trade was made, I thought it just they couldn't play in the playoffs. And apparently that most was changed people, recently. Yeah. Yeah, most people thought that. I, I had always been under the assumption that that was the case, too. And now, apparently, you're out for the rest of the season. I don't think it makes a huge difference. Like, yeah, either way, it's, it's 20 games after the deadline. So, at worst, he could, or best, he could play 20 games. But then, if you're in a playoff chase and you buy a player that played 20 games and then he can't play in the playoffs, like, what are you doing? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, let's, let's talk rivalry. Because I, I know, you know, you mentioned the first game as, as being kind of the high point of Vegas' season. Fun. The stick twirl uh, that somehow set everyone off. Amazing. But still, I know. Even after that, the Kraken and Golden Knights are not rivals right now. But no. I think there's an opportunity for something to brew here this week. Because, as you know, the Golden Knights need these four points. And for the first time, really, in, in the Kraken's history, they have a chance to take away something from another team that they don't just want, but they need. So I, I could see some bad blood kind of start to boil here. Like, what do you think the likelihood is of the Golden Knights and the Kraken developing a rivalry? I think down the road, it's certainly possible. Obviously, just that first moment, for whatever reason, the Golden Knights took it personally. And I still don't fully understand how Mark Stone, who is known for wild, crazy celebrations wasn't able to understand that that was a massive goal for Morgan Geeky. Like, I, I don't know. I still make fun of them for it. And, like, I, have, I will make fun of Mark Stone to his face the next time I get to chat with him. Just because, like, seriously? Either way, I think that, like, the back-to-back -back games, not back-to-back -back nights, but back-to-back -back games, is something that does usually seem to have the ability to kind of rise the temperature, raise the temperature of these games. I think that is certainly possible. It'll really depend on how the first game goes. 
I think the way that these are going to go is I think one of them is going to be close and one is not. Just based on the way that Seattle has been playing, they do allow a lot of transition. Vegas is a team that has to have transition. I think there will be one of these games. I would assume the first one that they'll allow a whole bunch of transition. Vegas will hit two or three in a period, and that'll just basically be it for that game. Then it comes down to how feisty does Seattle want to get? How badly do they actually want to beat them? Like, we sit here and say, well, yeah, this means a lot to Vegas. I think the Seattle players should be up for it. But if it's two to nothing, that could go away in a hurry because they'll just remember, well, we don't really have anything to play for and we're probably not coming back. So I think it's possible that we don't see anything. We saw the schedule last year where they did play back-to-back games against every single same team last year, and we didn't see this kind of madness that we kind of maybe thought was going to happen as much, certainly with the Golden Knights. They're not a very physical team, so they're not going to hit you. Seattle doesn't hit much either, right? No. Is that correct? Yeah. So I don't think you're going to see a massively physical game. Um, You know, it's going to come down to how the game goes. If if, If the game goes like the game in Chicago just went, where one team has a big lead, the other one comes back, they take the lead back, they tie it again, like... Chicago was pumped towards the end of that game, and they really wanted that game, and it turned into a really fun game. If that's the case of the first game, then the second game is going to be super intense. And I think we can start to see something. And as Seattle grows, there's no doubt. Like, I'm not sure how much people in Seattle realize this. The Golden Knights were very, very, very jealous of Seattle coming in. Like, they felt like they were losing their thunder. They felt like this is... We don't want them to be good. We don't want any of their, don't look at their production. Don't look at any of this. Like we're still the shiny toy. They go out and buy Jack Eichel in the middle of that. As Seattle drifted and didn't play very well this season, it became easier for Vegas, just eh, whatever. I think if Seattle does kind of come up and play a little bit better, and if they're the reason why the season ends, like, yeah, you certainly could see something. And then I bet you they would probably put them against each other early next season again, would be my guess. Mm-hmm. I think the NHL is going to lean on that moving forward. Yeah, I would I would think so. And, and it, it makes sense. And I do think that there's going to be this really nice period of, of hopefully more than just one season where this this build for Seattle kind of catches up and they start to become a competitive team while Vegas still is very much in their window. Um, I do have like kind of a quick question, you know, as as like RJ talked about earlier, Vegas has done a lot of, you know, selling off pieces, buying players, right? Bringing in Jack Eichels. At some point, this house of cards that they're assembling is going to have to fall. What do you think the timetable for that is? Yeah, I mean, it's if they're not healthy, the the house of cards is is down, like it's gone, and that's this is what it would look like if if you know if they can't have a full roster, this is what it can look like. Now, as they get moving forward, they're going to try and retool and reshape the roster, and at very worst, they're going to have Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, and Alex Petrangelo. Like that's a pretty good trio of players, and then probably Robin Leonard behind them, who. We can disagree. I don't know. I I think he's fine. I don't think he's amazing. I think he's fine. You know, it's a pretty good core of players. So it's unlikely that they become horrible all that soon. But one injury here or there, and all of a sudden you don't look so good. They do not have much of anything in regards to draft picks. Like if they had Matty Berniers, he would be without question the best player in the Golden Knights system. It wouldn't even be close um, they, you know, they don't have much in regards to draft assets moving forward. Their first pick goes to Buffalo unless it's top 10, which it's not going to be. 
unless I guess they, I guess they could hit the lottery. But if that happens, they don't have it next year. They're missing a number of second round picks. The third round picks are kind of there, but they don't have a lot of value. Like they're an aging team. There's not a lot of young talent already drafted. So they're definitely in a position where they're going to try to extend this window as far as they can. And that's, I guess, a little bit of my concern in regards to will there be a v- Vegas-Seattle rivalry is I think when Seattle's ready, that's when Vegas is going to be start to, starting to retool. It kind of happened with us in L.A. where we thought that was going to be the rivalry. L.A. was on the downturn when Vegas was on the up. And now as Vegas hits the down again, LA is coming back up. So it's just missing a little bit. So that's the one part that I think Seattle is going to be good down the road. I just don't know that Vegas is going to be good at the same time. Yeah, no, that's definitely been one of the things that a large part of, you know, our fan base and the the Seattle fan base has been talking about is just the idea of, you know, yes, once we got over the initial shock of how the season was going, which, you know, it it was a hard pill to swallow at first, no doubt about that. Uh, Just that, yes, no, we are in a very, very good position moving forward. We seem to have nailed like just about every pick in our, in the one draft we've had so far. We've got a a great star in Matty Beniers. Uh, and uh, future star in Matty Beniers, and then the amount of draft picks that Ron Francis was able to assemble this trade deadline was also incredible. And yeah, I don't think that um, people quite have it in in total perspective yet. But compared to some other teams, including a Vegas, like just this this gluttony of of stuff we have is just so great, and it's going to be so great for Seattle moving forward. For sure. Um, all right. So the other question. One question that I've been interested in is kind of how Vegas became such a great hockey market, right? Not a lot of history there. Uh, Seattle, obviously, we have WHL stuff in town. You've got the Silvertips and the Thunderbirds nearby. You've got four teams in Washington State, all that stuff. You have, you know, the first American team to ever win the Stanley Cup in the Metropolitans, even if it was over 100 years ago. There was history there. Not as much so in Vegas. And I am curious because... Obviously, winning helps. We know that for all sports in all markets. Winning is a big part of things. But how did Vegas, how did the Golden Knights um, do such a good job of of building this, you know, awesome fan base that you guys have there? Yeah, it was kind of the perfect storm in many ways. Like, I'll start by, because I know if anybody from Vegas is listening or watching this, they're going to go nuts at me if I don't at least mention it. We did have two minor league teams. We've actually yeah. had like six, but they <laughs> folded real quickly. Las Vegas Ice Dice is my favorite name. But the Las Vegas Wranglers and the Thunder both mm-hmm. were around. There, you know, there are players that were there, like Mike McKenna, who is on the show with me, that former goalie. Uh, he played for the Wranglers. So there is some history, but it was it was minimal. It was low level. It's not the same. So what happened was the first thing first is Vegas has been starving for something to call their own. Like, I think mm-hmm. if you look at basically any other city, most cities that are getting NHL teams or have them have multiple other teams. Seattle, you have baseball, you have football, you know, you had basketball there for a while. You never, MLS is a good one too. You know, you, you never really needed something to say, this is, I live there. You know, you can always mm-hmm. say, well, I'm a Mariners fan. Okay. Well then you're from Seattle. We didn't have that. We literally had like those stupid hats from the airport that said Las Vegas that tourists are supposed to buy. Like we, we don't have anything and we never have had anything to a point where we had a Little League World Series team in 2016 that was awesome. They went to the final and lost to a team in Chicago that cheated and we ended up getting the banner. Shout out to that team. Uh, like 
people were all about that team and people are wearing hats of this Mountain Ridge Little League team because it was something to grasp onto. So I always thought the first team was going to get that. Like, mm-hmm. everyone's just going to grasp onto that solely because I can finally tell people I'm from Vegas. I live in Vegas. So that was always going to be good. Then we had the hor- most horrific tragedy, like one of the worst in American history. Nine days before they played their first home game, six days before they played their first game. Like, that kind of became the place for people to gather and you know, support each other and support the city and show how, you know, we're here for each other in this city. And, you know, that was the place to do it. We didn't have that before. What we have all gone to the top of the stratosphere or some shit. I don't know what we had a hockey team now. So everybody went for that. That was kind of a huge part of it. Then they won and they didn't stop winning and they played a season that was basically perfect for the entire season anytime there was a big home game they won it anytime there was a lull in things going wrong they did something to bring in something new and it became this story that was so unbelievably lovable that you couldn't help but want to like that team like is anyone cheering against saint peter's in the basketball game today like no that's what the golden knights were in in that season it was a improbable run that everyone loved and then there were characters that were very lovable. Nate Schmidt, Marc-Andre Fleury, Alex Tuck, you know, even Carlson and Marcia. So there were so many players that people bonded with and understood. And, and, and they were, you know, it became this team that people not only loved that they were representing Vegas, but also loved that who the guys were. And then they go all the way to the cup final. Like it was, it, you, you can't write a better script to make a city love a sport and I still will make the argument they do not love hockey it's fine I have no problem with that the city of Las Vegas does not love hockey they love the fact that we had a winner and they want that back and hopefully we will get that back that's what the city fell in love with and and I think more and more you watch the sport you you, nobody doesn't like hockey if you watch it and understand what's going on it's amazing so that's going to happen over time, but that's why I think it happened. And now, you know, we've got minor league teams and we're getting some, I don't know what this ju- junior league that's coming out here, I, something, I don't know what that is. There's some three-on-three tournament that's coming here too that they want me to talk about. So I have a lot, <laughs> lot going on. Yeah, um, I guess two two follow-ups to that. First one being, how is having the Raiders come into town kind of affected things for the gold knights is it is there a nice kind of you know shared group there i mean the raiders are the raiders like i I feel like pretty much everybody either is a raider fan or you're like yeah i don't really like the raiders like Mm -hmm. that's kind of me like i don't like the raiders i never have like my team beat them in the super bowl 18 19 years ago or whatever it is now so I've never been a Raiders guy. I I don't care. I don't think they represent Vegas. They represent the Raiders. Where I think Vegas, the Golden Knights still represent Vegas. It's fading because they keep doing shady shit. But, like, I I do think that it hasn't had that much of an impact. The biggest place where it's probably had the most impact is they don't lead off uh, on Sundays with the Golden Knights game on the, you know, local news. They're, They're not front page when the Raiders do something, which... In the end, I don't think that's going to matter. We've had five years. If you don't know what the Golden Knights are, you're never going to know what the Golden Knights are. So I don't think it's made a huge difference. For me, it's nice because there's less media at games. 
Yeah. And then my, my second follow up is just why did it take so long for Vegas to get pro sports team in town? Like it's it's this great entertainment capital. Pro sports is like one of the largest entertainment businesses in the world. What the hell took so long? <laughs> yeah, to borrow a phrase from the great Drew Timmy of Gonzaga. Uh, a lot of people were soft guys, uh, a different way to use the P word there, <laughs> that they were afraid of uh, the gambling. They, they just thought if we put a sport there, they're going to throw games. Like that's basically what people thought. And it's been ridiculous for at least 20 years now, like basically since players started making money. Mm-hmm. Once like the A-Rod contract is one that I, I would say would probably have been one where it's like, hey, he's making $200 million. Do you really think he's going to throw a baseball game for 100000 Like, no way. So once we got to that point, I think that's when people started to realize it. And then there is an argument that it is not the largest city. You know, we're still basically mm-hmm. at $2 million. So it's not a massive city. You know, it is very low on the TV ranking numbers and that they had to just believe, you know, and and, and eventually, you know, they went Ted Lasso, hit the sign and, and off we go. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, so I, I want to go back to the uh, the Jack Eichel trade real quick because you know, we mentioned that and it's it's been a little while since that's happened and I'm, I'm just curious because you're you know covering the team a lot closer to it you know how has that gone since since the trade has been made i mean when it's just so rare to bring in a, a star player at that age you know at the height of his powers really um you know how has eichel adjusted to vegas how have the team adjusted to him i mean how's that all gone so when they first got him, obviously they were trying to make as much of a deal as you can because you're right, you don't get 25-year-old top 10 NHL players very often. Like, that's not common. Actually, this team has kind of had three, but, you know, Petrangelo and Stone and Pacioretty, whatever, they, they've done this. But the problem with him was he was hurt and he wasn't going to play anytime soon. And everyone knew that. And they also had to play a game where they couldn't even try to put a good timeline on it. We always kind of knew mid-February, but also that was supposed to be the Olympic break. Mm -hmm. So we were looking at like now as when he could potentially be getting in. And it's real hard to sell a fan base that already loves their team on a player that's on the shelf for months. And team was actually winning at that time. But the moment he came in, so he goes, he comes in, plays his very first game the same day Mark Stone goes on LTIR. That's a completely different story, another animal. But that's where we really started to see people like, oh, this he's here. Like, this is wild. This is awesome. And, and people it really enjoyed it. The problem is they've not done a lot of winning since he's been here. It's not been his fault, in my opinion, at all. I, I think he's been great. Um, I do think he sucked last game, and he agrees with me. Good job, Jack. Made me look real good. Uh, But, like, you know, I I do think that they're going to have to win for him to truly be a fan favorite. And if he comes in and they lose from now until the future, like, it's going to fall on him. That's disappointing for him, but that's that's pro sports. Yeah, I mean, go for it, RJ. Well, I was going to say, how do you think, I mean, I, I love that answer too. You know, I thought he sucked last game. He agreed. How has this kind of personality meshed with the market? Because I feel like it might be a pretty good fit. Yeah, he's um, he's different. Like, 
he's he's not like a lot of other people we've seen. He's got a he's got a pretty real sense of humor in regards to he will say I'm not very good. He will he will be pretty honest about like what happened with him in Buffalo or what's going on. But he also there's a there's a confidence there that historically has turned a lot of people off uh, in Buffalo specifically where he'll say I played great not everyone else played great we lost and that doesn't go well with a team that's losing I think so far there have been people that have kind of picked on him a little bit because like well your team sucked there before you came here we've been awesome and now we suck like it's gotta be you I don't think you know everyone's on that but I think enough people are that that they're gonna be a little turned off by, by how he answers some questions but but in the end like you watch the guy enough. You got to be out of your mind if you think this guy's not, you know, if this guy's the reason why they stink. I do think he, you know, I didn't like his game at all last night. And I would have been all over him had he not scored the game tying goal and they come back and win because he was doing the things that scared me from what I had read and watched in Buffalo, which is like, he will fly the zone. He will, you know, have these defensive lapses that you cannot have when you're pushing to win a Stanley Cup and this team's not but they are pushing to make the playoffs so it's uh, it's it's interesting and and kind of I do think whether they make the playoffs or not is going to be a lot of how people are going to feel about Jack Eichel. Yeah. It sucks for him. He can't control it. Yeah, no, it's kind of, you know, yeah, you get out of the Buffalo situation, which was bad for numerous reasons. But yes, you're thrown into uh, just out of one fire into another, essentially. Yeah, in a fire that's like, what do you do about it? Like, my line mates are Jake LeCision and Jonas Rohnbier. Like, yeah. What do you want me to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, everyone gets it. Uh, what'd you think of the return? Because I, I think that there were some people around the league that kind of looked at it and were like, well, that's, that's all it took to get Eichel. Like, why, why didn't my team go and do that? Um, I mean, I think that's probably underestimating Alex Tuck's ability a little bit. Um, I think he's an elite player that, that, in the right situation is going to thrive. I think they bought their future captain, and I don't think that was going to be... I don't think any other team probably was offering up a future captain. Like, I'd have to go around and look at maybe, like, if there was a Goudreau or Kachuk or something from, you know... I actually thought they, or, uh, Seattle probably should have been involved in that in some way, because, like you said, like, if, if it's Berniers and somebody else, like, mm, Jack Eichel might be better than that moving forward. But, first-round pick, Alex Tuck... And Peyton Krebs. I think Peyton Krebs is a legitimate top six NHL player. I think Alex Tuck is a, like one of the better players on a, on a team eventually and probably their captain and a perfect fit for Buffalo and, you know, the perfect human to go step into that. I thought it was all right. Like, yeah, he's, he's Jack Eichel. It should, probably should have been five first-round picks instead of three. But mm -hmm. but then there's Vegas has to, you know, the ripple effect on Vegas is, well, now you have to make a trade that you hate that gets reverted. Yeah. Yeah, and you and you gave up essentially like your one top prospect, and and right. and more of your future that and was already you there. Cap space gone in the first place, so you're going to have to solve that problem down the road. So it's going to cost them in the end. It's going to cost them six assets. Yeah, it, exactly. Which is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so my dog agrees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have uh, another question, RJ. Uh, 
Let's see, yeah. that's. I guess. I guess you don't then. Stop going out of order. <laughs> I go out of order. Yeah. No, I I think that was that was pretty good. I think we got a good comprehensive, you know, deep dive into where Vegas is at this year, kind of the history of everything. I mean, obviously, your guys' inaugural season went a little better than ours. I'm sure you have a lot more uh, fun and very exciting memories than maybe we've been able to compile. Although we've made our own, you know, special Great stuff. Time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I do have another question. So, Ken, I, we know you're coming up to Seattle uh, mm-hmm. for these two games. Have you been to Seattle before? What's your experience with the city? I have been to Seattle three times. My brother lives there. Uh, I probably should go more based on that fact, but he's lived there for quite a while. Uh, but I live in Vegas, so it's like, just come here. I don't. But, uh, yeah, I... I uh, the, my my only issue with Seattle is everything seems so damn far away from each other. Like the the airport is far from the stadiums. It's far from his house. It's everything seems so far. I'm used to like Vegas where it's like yeah, 15 minutes and I'm on the strip, or 15 minutes and I'm anywhere else. And I live 15 minutes out, which is like 15 miles. Mm-hmm. 15 miles in Seattle, I feel like it's gonna take me an hour. Yeah. It will. Yeah. <laughs> everything is far. Certainly the airport. I mean that'll yeah. that'll take you a while. And I like and... the sun. You guys, can you can I get some sun a little bit when I'm up there this week? Uh, Anything? We've been getting some sun. Like every other day, we'll get some sun that peeks out. So okay. I'll take one. I just don't want yeah. it to rain the whole time. I was gonna say I don't know. I've yeah, been. I, I would take that right now. I'm down in L.A. The moment I. What's the deal on the bridge? By the way, my my brother has been complaining about. Oh, this the bridge. West Seattle Bridge. Yes. So uh, yeah, if he lives in in West Seattle, that's going to make things super difficult because you got to go yeah, all the long way around. So they they're renovating the bridge and it's totally shut down. Um, you know, while they're doing that, but they've had issues. I think with the was it the concrete workers, the steel workers. One of them were striking, Ugh, and so worse. Yeah, just indefinitely. Don't know how long it's going to take. Basically, until the strike ends. Um, so it's been longer than expected for sure. It, it's a hassle to get over to West Seattle. What about getting to the practice facility? Can I get from that? And and where is that? Okay, that's in Northgate. So that's about a fifteen minute drive north from the arena, and that's fine. Ooh. No problem there. You just take the five, okay. go up. That'll be easy. Is it in a mall? Someone told me it's in a mall. So it's, yeah, there's a shopping center around it. It's the site of the former Northgate Mall, which they, you know, tore down a lot of those, like, retail buildings. So it is a mall. Yeah, basically. Okay. <laughs> not in a mall. It used to be a mall. It used to right. be a mall. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's not like those. Very yeah, no, it's not like those public rinks in the middle of a mall or something that you'll see in places. Well, that would be kind of. I was thinking, like, uh, if you go into one of those malls and there's, like, one of those, uh, like, kid fun zones, you know, and there's all the tubes. Like, that's what it is. Like, I'm just in the mall and then there's that over. Hey, by the way, there's a cracking practice here. Like, yeah. okay. I'm hoping because the Golden Knights are there for four days. So I'm hoping to get out to a practice. I, I, I They're coming up tomorrow uh, and then they're staying the day after the second game because they play in Vancouver. And one less day in Canada is better for everybody. <laughs> right yeah so that'll be that'll be a fun time that it'll be super easy to get up i'm sure you'll be able to see a practice the light rail also just takes you right there uh oh, nice. just stop that drops off so super easy that's how a lot of the writers i know uh get up there sweet yeah so cool um all right thanks so much for joining us ken i really appreciate it right. and, and all the information you've given us do you do you want to give kind of uh, a quick shout out to where everybody can find you and your work and all the stuff that you guys do 
Based on my background, I'm noticing now it says it four times just over yeah. my shoulder. So go any of uh, here or here or here or here. Uh, am I pointing struggling? Uh, yeah, it's just sinbin.vegas. We don't have a .com. Seems like seemed like a lot of work to have a .com, so we have a .vegas. .vegas is cool. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, Sinbin Vegas on Twitter. Like you know, Google us, you'll figure it out. Yeah, and we'll stick You're all smart. the links. We'll stick all the links down in the description below as well. We'll figure it out. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks so much for for joining us, Ken. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see everybody next time. Don't beat us both times, please. Yeah, well, no no promises. We're really pumped up about the idea of doing this, by the way. Like, everybody's on board. If we only, you know, let's only win two more games this season, keep the good draft position, but let's make it sure these are the games. Yeah.